Good evening. Um, thank you very much, first of all, and thank you to the Bodleian Libraries for having, have, uh, sorry, for having given me the opportunity to be one of the Bern Bursi Marconi Fellowships, um, which is mostly a privilege uh, since I could take part in this process, a very long and complex process of valuing the Marconi heritage around the world. So uh, I was told to keep it more or less informal. And I should say, most of all, that I'm, I'm very touched with the, this chance I had this, this year to be one of these fellows and to be able to take part in this process of raising awareness to how important this heritage is. I could call this study a, a case study uh, just to give you some very quick context on my research on the Marconi company in Portugal and the history of Marconi and why it's so important uh, uh, during my, all of my uh, studies and my research for my PhD. I firstly um, came to the Marconi archives in 2008, but unfortunately just for one day. Uh, I was very happy to be here but couldn't stay for longer and I was uh, quite aware of how important this archive would be for my future studies. Uh, couldn't unfortunately use it for my PhD study which was focused in the history of the Portuguese Marconi company. This company was a, one of those famous subsidiaries that were created in the 1920s after World War I and in a very different context in the technological, cultural, political terms and at at an international level, uh, the telecommunications sector were, of course, completely different and changed from its purposes before the World War I. But actually, this company uh, allowed me to study through its own archive in Portugal. A very important, I think, case study to let us understand one of, at least one of the pieces of this very complex puzzle, which is a history of Marconi worldwide. So this company, the Portuguese company, was founded in 1925 uh, by the Marconi's Wireless Telegraph Company, which was its parent company until 1936. And then we would go through a different uh, period of this history. And although the Portuguese company was created after World War I, what uh, called attention to, 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 to our research was that the first negotiations to create this company began more than 20 years before. So on the contrary of what traditionally was considered by the Portuguese historians, the, the history of wireless in Portugal began much earlier than after World War I or 1925. So the history of the Marconi company began in the 1900s. And the importance that Marconi's wireless gave to the Portuguese territories. Uh, for those who might not be uh, aware, Portugal had a colonial empire, which geographically was very similar to the British one. So very soon, this, uh, these territories became an alternative 
to a possible construction of a worldwide wireless network if the British government understood or uh, kept understanding that they didn't want Marconi to uh, take over wireless, uh, the British wireless uh, communications. So uh, their concern was mostly uh, related to the geographic position of the Portuguese territories in Western Europe, uh, in North and South Atlantic and in Africa. And the case study I uh, decided to bring here today uh, allowed me to, uh, well, uh, let me uh, call your attention to the, the fact that this is a work in progress, but what I, I thought that could be interesting and probably more relevant to, to bring here today is not uh, a closed story or history. This is something that luckily historians never do. They never close. We never close our conclusions. But to show, and this is what I try to, to bring here today, how uh, important the Marconi archive and my research here was to, at some point, uh, fill many of the, the missing pieces of this history. Why did I call uh, this presentation uh, a Latin network? Well, considering this previous study, my PhD study that was focused in a Portuguese company, very soon I uh, came to the conclusion that also part of the strategy of the Marconi company was related to uh, the will to connect to South Atlantic and to South America. Brazil, which has billions, millions of, of Portuguese-speaking communities, uh, would of course be one of their aims. So considering uh, this previous study and the results of my PhD study, I uh, luckily uh, could spend two months uh, in the Marconi archives here at the Bodleian Library uh, looking, well, trying to answer two questions, which were very complex and still are. But the first one would be to analyze the role of the Portuguese and Spanish territories as regards Marconi's wireless strategies to negotiate the connections over the South Atlantic, <coughs> since I understood that the Portuguese case would be a good pointing start or starting point to, to understand uh, to what extent was the Iberian Peninsula uh, a, a, a central point of this strategy to connect to, uh, over the South Atlantic, and to understand, and this Professor Paoloni surely can, be, uh, can explain a lot more than I can, but how uh, was this strategy also connected to the strategies to establish the Italian and the British uh, communications uh, worldwide? Mostly, and just uh, uh, another note, when I was uh, doing my research for my PhD study, uh, some other information came through the, the, the Portuguese archives, which was that before what well, we traditionally considered that was to be the pressure of the British Empire through the, over the, the, the Portuguese government, which was, is very well known by every Portuguese. We know that all our 20th century histories is very uh, influenced by the British interests. And the telecommunications sector is one of the most important because most of our communications were um, controlled by the British. The fact is that uh, our archives um, gave us another clue that 
the Italian diplomacy was the first one to try to force and, and make pressure uh, towards the Portuguese government to establish this network. So the Italians came first <laughs> at some point. So this was my first question uh, in general. Uh, to what extent and to what, uh, at what point was the Iberian Peninsula uh, strategic and how did the Marconi Company approach this strategy to connect over the South Atlantic? And uh, on the other hand, to understand an even more complex question, which was to what extent have technical constraints shaped strategies for the construction of wireless networks, in this case focusing on uh, the South Atlantic case study. So when I arrived to the Marconi archive, I tried to uh, search every papers and every types of documents and records that could give me some clues. I wasn't expecting, of course, a very complete report on this, but to give me some clues that might help me to complete this puzzle, to understand uh, this South Atlantic case study that uh, I believe that can contribute, along with several other case studies, to understand uh, <coughs> this global history, because this is what we are talking about when we talk about the Marconi history, to understand this global history and to bring in new perspectives on geographical and technical implications of wireless communications networks at an early stage of development. First, I, I, I thought I could bring all of my research results and findings, but I don't think it would be productive for any of us. So I tried to focus on my first qu question, which is still very complex, but I think it's the central one. Uh, at what, uh, to what extent uh, was, was this, uh, was there exact, uh, really a strategy uh, or an effective strategy uh, to create a Latin network. So you might ask me why a Latin network? Is this rhetoric? Is this something that was really going on? Well, when in 1911, uh, this was a moment of political change in Portugal, but Luigi Solari, who was one of Marconi's agents and he operated in Portugal, when he wrote to the Minister for Foreign Affairs, who had just taken uh, take uh, over the ministry, he was calling his attention to the urgency of granting an exclusive license to the Marconi company, which was being negotiated for several years before. And he then evoked the main objective of the company's project, which was, and I'm quoting from the original letter in French, because uh, most of this diplomatic correspondence was still written in French by then, but he uh, evoked this argument, which was to connect Lisbon directly to the Cape Verde Islands, which are down, well, so I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't bring a map, but it's there, they complete the, what we call the triangle in the Atlantic. They're in the middle of South Atlantic, so uh, uh, at the level of uh, Northern Africa, uh, and the Cape Verde would be the central point to connect to uh, all of the South Atlantic not only to Africa, but to South America. So, and, and, and I was quoting, but from the, the, the original French, he intended to connect Lisbon directly to the Cape Verde Islands through a high power station that only the Marconi Company can supply and to connect the Portuguese Republic directly to the Brazilian Republic that is to connect the Latin America to the Latin Europe 
by what is considered to be a creation of Latin geniality. Of course, he was talking about Guglielmo Marconi, and he was uh, uh, evoking uh, this Latin geniality to, uh, at some, uh, to some point to, to value the, the, the potential of such a network. But this was actually more than rhetoric. Solari knew that he, uh, by evoking the construction of this Latin network, which would involve the Spanish territories and the Canary Islands and the Spanish-speaking countries in South America, he was also meeting political, cultural and diplomatic concerns. Along with these wireless connections, there was an expectation to control the potential traffic of communications among Portuguese-speaking communities in both sides of the Atlantic. We're talking about millions, and although, of course, commercial communications were not to the had nothing, were not comparable to the dimension of commercial communications nowadays. Uh, in fact, there would be an extreme, extremely high potential to increase communications traffics between both uh, Portuguese-speaking countries in both sides of the Atlantic, which were, of course, also connected by commercial and political and social interests. More than that, the Portuguese Republic was, of course, uh, very connected to the Brazilian Republic as it was very, very recently deployed. At the same time, of course, this uh, discourse was also used as a political pressure towards the British Empire, which uh, was about to have a new colonial conference, and uh, mostly uh, as an argument against the German advances, uh, the Ger Germany and, and the Telefunken uh, uh, at the service of the German state was constructing a worldwide uh, wireless network preparing already for the war. So uh, having in mind this potential Latin, Latin network that would uh, give the Marconi company a wide potential to connect to all of the, the, the south of the American continent would probably uh, work as uh, an extra argument to, of pressure to the British government. When I arrived to the Marconi archives, I had, of course, we all have my priorities. So I uh, went through what I supposed and I expected to be the most relevant documents and records within the archive, but I had some surprises, which is something I would like to call uh, attention because this is what usually excites us the, more, the most, is that uh, I did have a plan and I completely changed my plan according to what I could really, uh, in fact, find uh, within these records. But uh, this is more or less a hierarchy of what uh, was most relevant to my research, although I should stress out that the minutes of directors' meetings, but mostly not the Marconi's wireless company meet, uh, minutes, but uh, international communications, uh, international marine communications minutes, uh, were much more uh, relevant for my research, and, uh, which is something I didn't expect originally their annual reports and accounts, of course, some general correspondence and papers uh, on the imperial and international communications, well, and then some uh, extra documents, but I should also stress out uh, the importance of all the papers related to correspondence and papers on experimental work, training and uh, research, which uh, I won't, would not have time to explain it here, but which is very detailed uh, documentation and allow us to understand uh, at how these technical constraints 
actually moved Marconi to change uh, some strategies within the company. Well, and as I, I told you, and I wouldn't want to take you uh, all of your time, I had to make some choices, and I thought that trying to be, uh, to, to, to focus on one of these questions and showing some of my findings could be helpful to understand how rich this archive can be. Because, well, in the end, we're, we're uh, all very concerned with valuing this heritage and understanding it at a, a world level. So, within the Marconi collection, I should stress how relevant of papers related to Marconi International Marine Communications Company, which were papers, I should say, uh, I, I didn't uh, uh, take as very relevant in the beginning, because uh, traditionally, the Portuguese company was created uh, directly in relation with Marconi's wireless telegraph company, and some negotiations happened in a different stage. And uh, namely, the minutes of, uh, of the committee meetings uh, comprise relevant information on these early wireless plans that allow me to uh, understand that these negotiations happened even earlier than we thought to have happened in Portugal, according to our own records. Uh, to give you an example, on 12 June 1901, which was something that didn't get to our own records in Portugal, the committee, uh, when discussing the, the, the very famous creation of the Belgian company that would take over uh, all of the, the, the company's rights in uh, continental Europe, uh, among other, uh, other, other countries, it was uh, uh, the, the, the board of wireless company was prepared to, to uh, celebrate an agreement that would include the, the sending an agent to Portugal to start negotiations. We only have information uh, on these approaches since 1906, uh, but according to all of my findings here, this happened earlier than was expected in Portugal. There is a very uh, intense silence due to political reasons by then, <coughs> and also to the way the Republic uh, would give importance to the Marconi company after it was deployed in 1910, uh, there is a weird silence in, in, the, in our own records. So uh, at the same time, uh, I didn't want to miss my aim, which was to look into uh, the construction of South American uh, con uh, network and uh, having in mind mostly what happened in Brazil. Well, I should say, and, and I don't want to take, take, take much uh, time with this, but uh, Brazil is still a puzzle, a very incomplete puzzle. One of the efforts we've been making through from Portugal is trying to motivate some researchers in Brazil to find their own archives, understand their own Marconi history, because um, this is something we really have to try to promote, is to find these, these case studies and to reveal them and understand them. But the Marconi archive here in Oxford, of course, gave its contribution because it's a very rich archive and will allow us to uh, follow parts of these, well, what happened uh, at the same time in Brazil and Portugal, these constant uh, decisions to make agreements, but for some reason in Portugal, we do know this history a little better, but for some reason 
these uh, negotiations in Brazil were always uh, being delayed. We do know that uh, in 1908, uh, Brazil was already having uh, some, uh, receiving some apparatus from Marconi Company, and that in 1915, uh, uh, there was a company to, created by the Marconi's wireless company, uh, with, uh, which controlled, completely controlled the shares of the company, but we still have a lot to know. What we did find, what I did find uh, in this archive, and we'll let you know uh, in, a, in, in a few minutes, is that um, the establishment of this network was not in delay with the establishment of the Portuguese network. And in several moments, these negotiations used the other country as a motive to try to pressure uh, the creation of these networks. At the same time, and this is just to give you some examples, I could track uh, the evolution of the Spanish negotiations, which were depending on a French company until 1910. This is why uh, it was also very difficult to get to Spain, besides all the, comp the competition that was happening in the country. And uh, well, for several reasons that we can discuss later, but uh, here at the, the Marconi archive, I couldn't understand it better. Uh, the Marconi company was also trying to use the same strategy mm -hmm. from Spain uh, to the Canary Islands and then to South America, but was blocked until 1910 when they do uh, begin to establish this network. Well, uh, leaving from for the end, I would like to share with you one of the most important documents I found here, which was something we knew about uh, indirect information in Portugal. Uh, in our archives, there were references to the creation of a Marconi company in 1910, but then we didn't have any information on it. I did find a draft prospectus uh, of a company that did not uh, go further because the German diplomacy was able to block it in Portugal. It was uh, confidentially created. And so I found documents here and this draft pr prospectus, which was about to be uh, uh, disseminated in Portugal, but never got there, uh, precisely evoking the purpose of this company to establish cheap telegraphic communications between Portugal and her Atlantic and African possessions also Brazil and South Africa, by means of wireless telegraphy. We should have in mind, of course, that the immigrant communities, the commercial relations, all of this was considered when creating uh, this company and establishing and defining a plan uh, for its first connections. So uh, in the end, uh, what it was proposed was to create uh, a cheaper channel of communication between Europe and South America in general. So from the Latin Europe, we were already talking about Europe and South America. Well, um, some very quick conclusions, but I couldn't help uh, noticing uh, that these case studies do uh, prepare us and give us new perspectives on the history of all tele telecommunications networks. And at some point, I should dare say that through these kind of archives, and particularly the Marconi archive, uh, we have new clues and a new basis to look into a new history of globalization where many perceptions can be changed, uh, such as in the Portuguese case and the South American case, 
our traditional perception of centers and peripheral countries, which is something that in technological and uh, entrepreneurial uh, terms is not the same concept than in political terms. And this is the case. And uh, just uh, uh, probably more emotional notes about the Marconi Archive and what is being done by, well, through this, this fellowship and, and, and through the, um, the Bodleian rivalry, something that we would all appreciate to happen worldwide. This is an example of something we should all be doing uh, with our national archives. It is an opportunity that I had the privilege to, to, to have, but this heritage, and I will not, won't stress it enough, uh, we are all to, to a part of the responsibility to, to preserve it, to identify it. And it's still, there is still a lot to identify. So uh, allow me to consider uh, the Bodleian libraries and this fellowship a very, very good example to follow worldwide. So, thank you.